Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You know, you're kind of the talk of the town. Oh, this is going to be good. I'm Michelle Majuk. And I'm Kate Majuk. And we're married. To each other. And this is the Ball Blast NFL Podcast. Each episode, we will feature the latest top news in the NFL and what it means for fantasy football, sports betting, and you, the NFL fan. Welcome into the Ball Blast podcast. We have a new episode for you today. And while we're still in the midst of, you know, kind of that downtime wah, wah. in the NFL offseason where there's not a ton of news, you know, we still want to provide you with some awesome fantasy content. So today we're going to discuss the best wide receiver twos on teams that you can draft in fantasy. Yeah, they, wide receiver one, or you know, that, that has a cool connotation, but wide receiver twos, they can be equally exciting. And guess what? Sometimes you get a value because you get to draft them later than their wide receiver ones. Yeah, a lot of the times people are a little bit scared off because they know, you know, a teammate of theirs is the clear cut wide receiver one. They, they want the, the head honcho. Yeah. And they're like, you know, this guy doesn't have a chance to be the wide receiver one on his team. Let's take someone else. But some of these guys are in such good situations that they can be really, really valuable this year in fantasy. So Kate and I are kind of going to do a draft of these guys. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Kate Kate won, so she gets to pick hers first. Well, so we won. You. No, we did uh, rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Paper, rock, scissors? No, rock, paper, scissors. That's the only paper, way. Paper, scissors, rock. Say- that used to be the way I said okay, it as a child. The only way. Paper, that, scissors, stop. rock. The only way people are allowed to say is rock, paper, scissors, shoot. And it bothers me so much when people do not do it that way. I mean. Who is learning it any other way? Rock, I did. paper, scissors, shoot. No, I just learned paper, scissors, <laughs> rock. We only got one piece of news, uh, really, that's notable. And that's Saints running back Alvin Kamara. He pled no contest to his charge that he had all the way back in like, I don't know, early 2022 when he was like arrested after the pro bowl that season, he played all last year because nothing was really happening in court. And now we finally have an answer. He pled no guilty to a misdemeanor charge. So his felony went down to a misdemeanor and all he has to do is like probation and pays the guy. Now I say all this, I don't really think this matters all that much when it comes to the NFL suspending him in the length. Like, no, we don't still like, we don't know anything. I mean, how many times have we seen guys not get anything in court and still get a suspension? I mean, we just got it with Deshaun Watson. He had 11 games, Zeke Elliott, a few or like a handful of years back and, um, Ben back in the day, like it doesn't really matter if these guys end up paying off their, their um, crimes it's shitty right like these guys have enough money where they're able and fame to be able to pay off whatever they did wrong but like I don't think it matters all that much when it comes to what the NFL will do now I think I I don't know how many games this will get him I really can't predict if I had to predict four to six but I don't think like this him going down to a misdemeanor really changes anything except for the fact like he's not going to go to jail you know yeah it doesn't like like, I don't think anyone really thought he was going to go to jail it, the only thing that I think it it does is it you know lets you know that he is not going to be in jail. Yeah. But like he'll he'll play sometime this year. Roger I, Goodell can still do whatever he yeah. wants in terms of of punishment. Now, obviously, like there's, I, I feel like there's never any sort of clear cut answer of where bad things fall on the the totems totem pole with the NFL, like. Clearly, betting, gambling is betting a and thing. weed is yeah. the absolute worst crimes you can ever do in the NFL's eyes, and beating up people, especially women, or harassing them—you know—that's a little bit lower in the NFL's yeah. eyes. It's not—it's not cool. It's but not a science, man. Unfortunately, it's something we're dealing with. But anyways, with Alvin Kamara, we really don't know any information to give you, so it's really not helpful when it comes to drafting him. He will play, in my opinion, a 
most of the season, but he probably will make miss a chunk of games. Go draft Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller, Kate's like favorite player of all time. I'm obsessed. He's I can't their, stop drafting him. He's their third round rookie, and he should get you know a good amount of playing time. My only concern is Jamal Williams would be the touchdown vulture. But Jamal Williams hasn't been a touchdown vulture for most of his career. I do want to say, even with Alvin Kamara, when he does come back, yes, he's still a huge part of their offense, and they're going to play him plenty, and he'll be all right for fantasy. But I don't expect a top five performance from him, like from that point forward, with them drafting Kendra Miller, who who can be utilized in many different ways and is a really good rusher. Do you know he's the only guy in the FBS in a power five school last year with, uh, sorry, six plus yards per carry and 15 plus rushing touchdowns. And I said only guy, but I'm the only guy with Bijan Robinson who yeah. was drafted eighth overall. So like he had a pretty great season with TCU and Jamal Williams, I mean, killed it last year in the touchdown area. So if they, if that's why they signed him or to use around the goal line, like, that's not great for Alvin Kamara, who had two rushing touchdowns last year. Two. Not great. Not great. Career low for him. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep up with the news with him. Maybe the NFL will finally decide something now that we have. Maybe. Uh, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. All right. So let's jump into our draft here. Again, we are only drafting wide receiver twos on teams. So, you know, there are some teams that we kind of left out because they're really like, they have one, two. Yeah. Like, they have like a one, a and a one B, um, or a one, a one, a, or a one B, one B like a team like DK Metcalf or a team like the Seahawks. So DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, there's not really a wide receiver one there. Like it'd be cheating to be like DK Metcalf's the best wide receiver too. <laughs> yeah. like, you know what I mean? But it also feels like it'd be cheating to say Tyler Lockett is the best wide receiver too. Like yeah. that. And we left off the Buccaneers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. They both take turns kind of being their wide receiver ones and yeah. two. So it's more that it's more of those teams that have that clear cut wide receiver one on their team. And this guy is going to be the second target at best. So, um, that's kind of what we went there with. Do you want to make your first pick since you won rock, paper, scissors, shoot? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Jalen Waddle, Miami yeah. Dolphin. I mean, he's the most obvious one. He's, yeah, he's very, very obvious. Ranked seventh overall in receiving yards last season. A thousand receiving yards in each of his last two years. Saw a massive jump in efficiency in 2022. Incredibly, once Tyreek Hill arrived. So, like, saw a... a dip in production or a dip in target volume once the arrival of Tyreek Hill was uh, a thing, but it didn't really matter because he was so dang efficient, ranked eighth in yards after the catch per reception, seventh in yards per route run, seventh overall in receiving yards, had uh, almost 30% or 36% of games as a top 12 wide receiver. That is tied with AJ Brown, CD lamb, Amari Cooper, all effectively working as their team's wide receiver ones, like by a massive landslide. Now he's so, so talented. There's uh, like looking at his overall efficiency metrics. It didn't really feel like it mattered where you were looking at his, his overall efficiency, like whether it be out of the slot, whether it be against man coverage, there's not a lot that Jalen Waddle can't do. And I mean, the way that they're orchestrating their offense it's speed that's going to spread defenses just about as far as you possibly can across the field. Uh, only wide receiver two, you know, quote unquote wide receiver two to rank in the top 10 receiving yards per game last year. Like I don't see any move that the Miami dolphins are making. That's going to change that kind of efficiency for Jalen Waddle. As long as Tyreek Hill is still in the mix. Yeah, I think a lot of people were kind of scared off of both Waddle and Tyreek Hill last year because we didn't know how they're going to be used. And Waddle could, baby, Waddle baby. We were like, is, uh, Waddle in his rookie season only averaged 9.8 yards per reception. So we're like, if those targets go down, what is going to happen? So, you know, there was a little bit of worry there. But then all of a sudden, you know, surprisingly, shockingly, Tyreek Hill opens up 
the offense. I mean, also Mike McDaniel's offense is there, so it's a different system. But then his yards per reception go up to 18.1. So it's one of the fewest in the league in his rookie season to one of the highest in the league his second year. Maybe that number comes down a little bit. But, yeah, the Dolphins were the only team last year to have two uh, wide receivers in top 12 of fantasy points per game. So that means Waddle was the best wide receiver, too, last year. And I, I don't see a reason why that wouldn't stay when who else are they targeting in this offense? Who else is there? Mike Gusecki left, so bye. And he never got targeted. <laughs> but, like, who else? They don't even, like, have a tight end right now worth naming. It's not like Raheem Mostert or Jeff Wilson get used a ton. Durham Smythe, is that the tight end? Hey, listen, I don't even know. All right. I really, I genuinely, who is the Dolphins' starting tight end? Like, I should know this. We should definitely know it. And this has already happened to me about three times during the offseason on podcasts where I'm talking about the lack of, pass catchers and I Durham Smythe it is Durham Smythe good job wow really pulled that one out of left field their third (laughs) wide receiver is Braxton Barrios okay they do have Robbie the chosen one Robbie uh chosen Anderson (laughs) yeah um chosen Anderson and I do think probably the most underrated wide receiver on their core is Cedric Wilson who I guess but like these two are going to get so it's it's those two and that's that's really it so, yeah, Jalen Waddle's a great pick this year also, as well as Tyreek Hill, who I think could be the wide receiver one in fantasy this season, and that's not really a bold statement. Nope. All right, my second, or my my guy I'm taking in this draft now that Waddle's gone, I'm taking going with Devonta Smith of the Eagles. And at first I thought, you know, that's a constellation prize, but the more I dug in, the more I'm like – Shoot, like he's a really good draft pick this year. So he was the wide receiver, wide receiver nine in fantasy last season, wide receiver 13 in points per game, making him the second best wide receiver two in the NFL last year. Uh, he had nine games with 15 plus fantasy points last season. That was tied for the fifth most such games in the NFL behind only Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, CeeDee Lamb, and A.J. Brown. The same number of games as Devontae Adams and Stephon Diggs. Pretty impressive. And at the end of the year is when it seems like Jalen Hurts was like, oh, yeah, Devontae Smith is really good. I don't have to only target A.J. Brown. Like, I, I can target both guys. So, like, the first 12 we- or weeks, one through 12, he was averaging just 7.2 targets per game under 11 yards per reception, and 12 fantasy points per game. But from weeks 13 through 18, those targets went up to 9.5. His yards per reception went all the way up to 15.1, and he was averaging over 20 fantasy points per game during that span. And I I think they're going to need both of these guys again this year because it's A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and Dallas Goddard. And those are the only three guys in this offense. And those... It, we saw it last year. Jalen Hurts targeted his top three men, and it didn't go anywhere else. D- that was it. It was the big three. You're not projecting a Quez Watkins breakout? Uh, I am not in his 100th season. <laughs> He's very fast, but he cannot catch a ball. And I'm really shocked I didn't add like a reliable third wide receiver this year, but they didn't. And we even saw this kind of usage uh, follow through into the playoffs as well. He had 10 targets and nine targets in two of the three playoff games. 100 receiving yards in one of them. And in the last nine games, including the playoffs, he actually averaged more fantasy points per game than A.J. Brown did. Wow. And that's that's the last nine games. That's a big chunk. That's, that's like yeah. half of a season. So I, I really like Devonta Smith. I thought I was going to be a little bit off of him this year, but you know what? I, I think he's a really good value. I think that's very, very fair. Um, and it's not even like he's going late at all. It's just uh, where he's going. I think I thought for a moment it was too high, but now I'm like, no, that's like, that seems good. It's really interesting because then you contrast Devonta Smith against the wide receiver I'm going to talk about next. And it feels like there's like this perceived massive tear gap mm-hmm. between my upcoming wide receiver and Smith. But I actually like, I. I don't understand really the tear break and I don't know. Maybe we can talk about that. Uh, up next T Higgins, T Higgins of the Bengals. Cincinnati now, Bengals. I want to clarify when you say tear break, are you saying T Higgins is considered better than Smith or the, yes, opposite? yes, yes. Okay. Like that. I, and that is just my general but perception. I, yes. And I love T Higgins, but I do think he is 
overvalued compared to a Devonta Smith. I, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, so, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, T. Higgins, uh, my number three overall pick in terms of uh, that, that wide receiver, too. Now, there were just five wide receivers to finish more than 20% of their games as a top five wide receiver. That was Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, and then it was T. Higgins. Right up behind that very elite group of wide receivers just proves how elite his ceiling is. Now, you couldn't ask for a better situation. I think maybe this is where that perceived tear break comes from is the sexiness of the Bengals passing game under Joe Burrow. Now, I'm not just that's not to say that the Philadelphia Eagles don't have a sexy passing game. Obviously, they do between two of the best wide receivers in the league. And then you have Dallas Goddard, who's a a very talented receiving tight end. But they're such heavy running. They're they're a heavy running team. So I think that's where the Bengals maybe get the edge here because of that opportunity. Ranked uh, top eight in in offensive points scored. Ranked top eight in pass attempts, passing yards, passing touchdowns. It's the Joe Burrow effect. Uh, But, you know, T. Higgins, he's, he's fantastic. He's talented. He's big. Um, ranked third in uh, contested catches across the NFL last year. And you know why? Because he's just a big boy. You toss him (laughs) up the ball, and you're going to trust him to get it. Ranked uh, 16th in the league in fantasy points per game, was the overall uh, wide receiver 18 last season, had as many 100 receiving yard games as Jamar Chase, and had as many receptions of 40-plus receiving yards as Jamar Chase. Like, on any other team – T. Higgins would be the team's wide receiver one. And I think that's what gives him the edge. We might get to see it after this year if they don't sign him. You might get to see it. And it, like I, the Bengals are in such an interesting situation because I don't, they have so much money that it is going to be tied up in keeping this offense together if they can manage it. But if they can't, this is where you might see the, the consistent ceiling of T. Higgins. Like, you know the ceiling is a top five week, and there is some volatility, even with Jamar Chase, who has the safer floor. But he's got a, a – his ceiling is not as far off from Jamar Chase as as you might think for being the quote-unquote wide receiver two on this team. Yeah. I think the biggest difference why I took Devonta Smith over T. Higgins this year – I love T. Higgins. I think his talent is amazing, and – uh, they're both such different wide receivers, different builds. I mean, it, it's hard. I to would love them. to see. I don't think I've ever seen them like a picture of them standing yeah. <laughs> next to each other, but I would pay like $20 to see that. I don't know. It's, it's they're very different. So I don't even want to compare the two in terms of like NFL players. But I, I think the biggest difference for me is it's really when it comes down to Eagles offense, it's the three guys, right? It's AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. And when it comes to the Bengals, they spread out the ball a little bit more. Now, it's still Jamar Chase, T. Higgins gets the bulk of it. But then you got Tyler Boyd. They added Charlie Jones, who we have high expectations for. And they pass a ton to their running back position, unlike the Eagles. So, and, you know, Hayden Hurst was used uh, quite a bit last year as well. We'll see if Irv Smith can stay healthy and get those targets. They just kind of spread the ball around a little bit more, although they do have a lot more passing volume. So it's they're really close when it comes to this draft. I definitely was considering Higgins, but uh, I went with Devonta Smith. Who would you have taken if Smith and Higgins were both there? I think based on the way that Smith closed out the season, I'd probably give the edge to Smith. When that offense was humming, like Smith was humming. He was humming. And I, I think Smith offers just a little bit more consistency on a week-to-week basis than a T. Higgins necessarily does. Maybe a little bit of a safer floor. Maybe that ceiling is just a little bit lower. But I, I kind of, I lean the the edge giving to the the floor there, personally. Uh, so we got number, number four, number four. <laughs> I feel like it's a big, it's just different than these guys, right? Cause we have youth, 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 and like exciting guys that they're so good as wide receiver twos. And we know they could be good wide receiver ones. And we've seen this guy be good and we've seen this guy be hurt a lot. So I'm going with Mike Williams of the chargers. Ooh. I still consider Keenan Allen, the wide receiver one there. He gets, you know, a ton of targets while Mike Williams is kind of that speedster guy and gets targeted more 
deep. But he has had 10 games with 20-plus fantasy points over the last two seasons. That's tied for the seventh most among wide receivers, behind only Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, and Jamar Chase. All really, That's really... the most surprising stat I think I've heard yeah. in like the last several weeks. And he was like banged up all of last year. So it's pretty insane that he Always. is only behind those guys. I know that's, yeah, I know. That's kind of the issue is the if he up. Yeah, if he wasn't always banged up, he probably wouldn't have But it's not like banged up because he's like weak or anything. He's massive. He just always, he goes all out to catch these balls and he lands so hard. It's like, dude, maybe just don't sometimes. Maybe you just got a lot of ball go out of bounds or something. Like that's <laughs> how he got hurt last year by making an insane catch on the sideline. And he had to distort his ankle and, it, you know, it ruined a good chunk of his season. But anyways, that was more games with 20-plus fantasy points than guys like CeeDee Lamb, than DK Metcalf, than Jalen Waddle over the last two years, and more than his co, his co-worker, I almost called him, <laughs> his teammate, Keenan Allen, who only has seven such games. Well, he has 10. So, yeah, last year wasn't fantastic, but he had over 1,400, over 1,100 receiving yards in 2021 with nine touchdowns. He was on pace for 1,200 receiving yards last year, but he missed four games. He averages 16 yards per reception since 2018, second in the NFL behind only AJ Brown, right ahead of Mike Evans and Justin Jefferson. And now we add in Kellen Moore at OC. And we've been talking about him all off season that we think he will open up things. We think Justin Herbert will be targeting down the field more off more often. So Mike Williams is such a value right now because also he could become the wide receiver one for his team. I mean, Keenan Allen every year also gets injured. It feels like he's getting older. He's older. It, you know, the, the contract situation kind of interesting for Keenan Allen right now, but like and theoretically, no he's not going to like lead his team in red zone targets and he should lead the team in touchdowns. And again, Herbert only had 25 passing touchdowns last year. That's not going to hold up. His touchdown percentage was so incredibly low that that would be, that's nearly impossible to do again this year. Yeah. Uh, I just think Mike Williams, if he's on the field, he's going to do really good. And his injury concerns are kind of in his ADP, right? It's not like you have to take him early. He's going pretty late. He's going as the wide receiver 26. And it's because, you know, people are worried about his injury history. He's going after Christian Kirk, after Terry McLaurin, after Drake London, after Christian Watson, after Jerry Judy. I think he outscores all of those guys. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's totally fair. I mean, in terms of upside, you can't really find a better value in the, the 20 range. And I think the Herbert Mike Williams stack could be one of the best this year in terms of volume you, or value you can get. Because Herbert's not costing you a ton. Mike Williams is not costing you a ton. And I think both could be really, really good this year. Oh, it's the Kellen Moore. Yeah. Going to be the Kellen Moore effect. Um, very, very excited to see that. Now, it's interesting because even in Dynasty, like Mike Williams, such a huge value, being drafted as like wide receiver 40 right now. What kind of wide receiver can you draft as a, a theoretical wide receiver for for that kind of upside? And he's only 28 years old. Like, I feel like people think he's like 100 years old. And I there's, this, there's no way this team can have both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams on this roster next season when you look at they're, the way their cap hit is going to be, it's going to be insane. When I say no way, it, it's just going to be really, really hard, especially they have to pay Justin Herbert. That's the thing. Austin Eckler has wanted a contract uh, upgrade in his contract, but they just drafted Quentin Johnston. I think they're going to move on from one of these guys. And to me, I mean, I guess if Mike Williams doesn't stay healthy again this year, maybe he's the one you move on from. But Keenan Allen would be 32 next offseason, and I just think he might be moving on. Yeah, there was there were some rumors even like earlier this offseason that Keenan Allen could be a potential like cap casualty. So wouldn't at all be surprised if, you know, especially as they, they look to get Justin Herbert on a long term deal that they actually make that happen. I feel like we've talked a lot about like high upside picks. So I'm gonna bring us down to earth with my number five and just go on like overall skill set, overall floor. And safety for this position. I'm going to talk about Christian Kirk of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who now is this cheating because he was their wide receiver one last year. 
you so know, who he you? was very much like, I don't think I realized until I was researching for this podcast just how closely he ranked to Zay Jones, not in terms yeah. of production, but he had just six more targets than Zay Jones, wow. which is absolutely freaking insane because it felt like Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram were the only players being targeted on this offense. Zay Jones had was, some really good games. Zay Jones I, so, had some fantastic But you're games. not considering Zay Jones the wide receiver one. No, I'm it's, talking about Calvin Ridley. Yeah. Calvin Ridley, I do expect to take over. And you think he's uh, going to get the most targets in the offense? Yes, absolutely. And I, I think there's there's room for all these players. But Christian Kirk, for you know having 123 targets last year, ranked 10th in the NFL, over 1,200 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns. He was the wide receiver 12 last season. Like nobody saw it coming, and we all we laughed. We laughed hard when Christian got Kirk got yeah, that contract. Uh, it it just felt it was weird, but like despite having six more targets than St. Jones, like outpaced him heavily in terms of yards, yards per reception, yards after the catch per reception. Um, scored all of his touchdowns or almost all of his touchdowns in the red zone last year. Like was a machine, despite the fact that like it was actually Zay Jones who led the team in red zone targets and end zone targets. Like Christian Kirk was actually the most reliable asset in this group. He played 75% of his snaps out of the slot. So he's going to continue undoubtedly to see that work, even with the addition of Ridley in this offense. Uh, The third among like the quote unquote wide receiver twos with 14.2 fantasy points per game. Like I just think the floor feels really safe, and I think that you're going to get a really nice value, especially at a Christian Kirk, just given the fact that Calvin Ridley is the sexy new guy in town. I, like, yeah. I think there's going to be plenty of concerns, but I think the role that Christian Kirk plays is so different from that of Calvin Ridley that like Christian Kirk is going to still he's going to still have his place here. Yeah, Christian Kirk is going one spot ahead of Mike Williams. I would prefer Mike Williams. Obviously, that's why I drafted him ahead of Kirk. But when you're looking at him and Terry McLaurin or DJ Moore, Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk, like I think they're all pretty similar guys where they're not going to win you a ton of weeks, but they should be pretty safe with their target volume and be heavily involved in their offense. And, yeah, I, I don't really see that big of a difference of where he's going compared to other guys. So I'm okay with this pick. It's kind of a meh one. It's not fun. it's not like a sexy pick, but <laughs> well, mine's not a sexy pick either. So we kind of went non-sexy <laughs> both of our third picks in this draft. So my pick is going to be Brandon Cooks of the Cowboys, who's being heavily overlooked because he's no longer a wide receiver one of a team, but he's overlooked every year, right? No one really wants to draft Brandon Cooks. And it's because he's never amazing and he never like he doesn't put up huge numbers in any season. He's just typically super super consistent until last year so last year horrible horrible team right dealing with all that houston stuff like just the terrible offense in a terrible situation and he missed a chunk of time last year but he had davis mills throwing him the ball it didn't look like cooks wanted to be out there no he even was, when he was not the happy he wasn't happy i don't know many people who would be happy but maybe he didn't handle it the best way he could have but he only had 699 yards and three touchdowns last year that was bad but every season from 2015 to 2021, he had a thousand or more receiving yards in six of those seven seasons. Yeah. So it's just like a thousand yards, a thousand yards, a thousand yards, a thousand start. Like that's what he does. He's had the or from 2015 to 2021, he had the six most receiving yards in the NFL during that span. Behind only Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Mike Evans, Devonte Adams, and Stephon Diggs. Now, you might say, Michelle, well, Julio Jones leads that group, and he's not anything anymore, so what does that matter? But Julio Jones is much older. Cooks is still only 29 years old. How is Cooks only 29 years old? Uh, He's within a couple months of age with Hopkins, Evans, Adams, and Dix. They're like all three months apart of each other, and they're all being drafted much higher than Brandon Cooks. Now, you know, Diggs and Adams are still producing at a super high level, so they should be. Hopkins, when he's on the field, is as well. Mike Evans, you know, on and off. I'm not saying he should be drafted super high, but I will say when you're looking at where he's being drafted right now, and it's, oh my goodness, it's so far down the list. It's wide receiver 43. He's going after rookie Quentin Johnston, who has to compete with Keenan Allen and 
Mike Williams for targets. He's going after guys like Gabe Davis, like Kadarius Tony. That's just hate. I mean, for a guy that gets a thousand receiving yards consistently with some really, you know, not great quarterbacks as well. But now he gets to go to the Cowboys where CeeDee Lamb is going to get a ton of attention. He should have a ton of space to work with an upgrade at quarterback. I mean, Davis Mills to Dak Prescott, please. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on. I, I just think you it's not a fun pick. It's Brandon Cooks. It's not fun. But if you're looking for a guy that you can plug into a wide receiver spot every week and he's going to be pretty consistent throughout the season, yeah, I'll take that. There, there are a lot of things to like about Brandon Cooks, obviously. Like, over his career has just been super safe. Like, you mentioned the yardage. But, like, even in terms of – of his fantasy production, literally just three total seasons where he has not finished as a top 22 wide receiver for PPR. Like his end of season ranks just always, always surprise. And I think, uh, you know, even being on a really bad offense, like the Houston Texans, each of the last three seasons have been a bad team, but he still showed the ability to produce in 2020, 2021. I think, uh, 2022 in terms of like the vibes, not good for Brandon Cooks. I, I definitely don't think he wanted to be there, but you look back over his career and the three seasons where he did not perform as a top 22 wide receiver are the only three seasons in his career where he has seen a sub 20% target share on his respective team. I do think that changes with the, the Dallas Cowboys, especially with the fact that like, I feel like we can't understate the departure of uh, Dalton Schultz Dalton enough Schultz for this Noah offense. Brown, and Noah is Br- like, the- this is – there's a lot of opportunity here in this offense. I know Michael Gallup's – like, I know there are pieces here, but I do think that Brandon Cooks brings an element of speed that this offense has been looking for. I think that he's uh, he's he's something unique, and it, it I like the pick. He's going to be volatile, though. And I think that's what scares people. I don't away. know if he's going to be that volatile. I mean, we it's it was CeeDee Lamb with 156 targets last year, which his target share for the team went up by 10 percent from 2021 to 2022. I mean, that's what I was screaming last offseason, right? Like CeeDee Lamb's the only guy in this team. Like he's going to be amazing because his target share has to increase. I do think that comes down just a little bit. I still think he's their clear cut wide receiver one, but adding a guy like Brandon Cooks instead of Noah Brown, who has the second most targets among wide receivers, I think that does make a difference. And you're losing Dalton Schultz, who was second on the team in targets, and then Noah Brown, who was tied for third on the team with targets with Michael Gallup. Now, maybe Gallup's targets go up a little bit, but it's really CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup in this offense. I mean, the nice thing about, so like, you know, I think the issue with Brandon Cooks just throughout the career is that like, you know the ceiling's very high, but the floor can be kind of low. But I do think but every you know, year the pricing ends up like accounting for some of that. And if he's your wide receiver three, you know there's going to be matter. some games this year where he goes off for 150 yards and two touchdowns with Dak. Like yeah. they're just going to be feeling at that game, and he can win you a week. And I don't necessarily think the floor from week to week is that low. I, I think he should be getting five to seven targets every game and Brandon cooks can do enough with those. His biggest issue throughout his career has always been touchdowns. So we'll see if he can score more with Dak throwing him the ball, but he's not like a big guy. So those are probably still go to CD lamb. But like we said, I mean, Dalton Schultz was second on the team with five last year. Maybe those touchdowns go to, you know, the rookie tight end or one of the other tight ends on the team. But I mean, they're very inexperienced, so who knows? Hey, I mean, he had three seasons when he had good quarterbacks. Even even the last couple of seasons, six touchdowns, six touchdowns in 20, uh, 2020, 2021. But to start his career when he was playing with Drew Brees and Tom Brady, who I'm not comparing Dak Prescott to, but like good quarterbacks who know how to place a ball really well, especially for a guy that with his kind of speed, like – he was scoring touchdowns when he played with really good quarterbacks. So I'm not as scared off about the touchdowns. He's a little bit touchdowns. younger, but yeah. Um, a little bit. Yeah, yeah but again, he's only 29 years old. I feel like people think he's not old man Rivers. Old. Like yeah. he's, he's fine. All right, Kate, who's your, who's your fourth 
Wide receiver. All right. Number seven pick. We're going to do 10 total picks. So 10 total picks. Um, Keep going. I'm going to be a homer here, okay. if that's all right. Um, and honestly, the biggest question here might be whether this guy is his team's wide receiver two in the coming season. Does he break out? No, he's the wide receiver two. <laughs> George Pickens, uh, second year wide receiver. I For the Steelers. For the Steelers. Um Hence, hence the Homer pick, but ranks six among wide receivers in deep receiving yards, uh, targets of 20 plus air yards in his rookie season, ranked 13th in PFF receiving grade on those targets. Now his entire rookie season was like a walking highlight reel, but my biggest gripe with George Pickens has been what happened in between. There were a lot of contested catches. Um, literally tied T Higgins for the third most contested catches in the league, but he also didn't have a lot of great separation last season. So I think there's a lot of room for growth, but when I remember that, you know, six, three, two Oh one, you know, the separation, not necessarily make or break. Cause he's got some size to him, but this was his first full season playing returning from a torn ACL. Like I, I think, uh, and not to mention, it was his rookie season in the NFL. Like, I, I think sometimes those those splash plays uh, can bump him up the ranks a little bit too much. But 81 fewer receiving yards than Deontay Johnson on 57 fewer targets, averaged 15.4 yards per reception, had four touchdowns. Not a single other Steelers receiver, wide receiver, caught a touchdown last season. <laughs> Like that is insane. Well, when Kenny Pickett throws seven touchdowns. Yeah, most of them are probably going to go to the guy who caught four. Um, but I, I just think the there's a lot of upside here for George Pickens. I have a lot of concerns, which I've mentioned before, Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett. But in terms of a guy kind of just – you can never count George Pickens out for a game-changing play, mm -hmm. I don't think. And – if we start to see a little bit more improvement and that consistency on a down to down basis, I think that's where George Pickens might start climbing his way up this, this list. Yeah. I mean, it's not like George Pickens came out of nowhere, right? Like he fell in the draft last year because there were some concerns about his personality and, you know, the play went down a little bit with some injuries at Georgia, but I mean, he started off his Georgia career absolutely on fire. Like he looked like one of the best wide receivers in college football he was considered a first-round pick for a long time before falling. Well, it was interesting, too, because he, he was projected to go in the first round. And then he returned briefly, like, after he was cleared to return from his torn ACL. Returned for a few games. Didn't look right, but, again, was just returning from a torn ACL. So that was kind of the, like, last impression he made on GM scouts, like, was this kind of disappointing return. I think people expected more from him, but the biggest thing when it comes to either Deontay Johnson or George Pickens doing well for fantasy this year, it comes down to, can we, the Steelers please pass not directly on the sidelines? That would be great. They had the most sideline targets last year. Every single play was, I have to catch this really hard because I have two inches on the sideline. And then my only option after catching it is to go out of bounds. I have no chance to get any yards after catch. And that really limits a player when it comes to their fantasy value, because if you're not getting any yards after catch, your yards per reception are probably going to be pretty low. And you're going to need a lot of targets to make up for that. If, if all you have is that, yeah, and it's really impressive Pickens average just a high yards per reception when considering none of them really came after catch. So he has such a high ceiling. It just comes down to they have the same offensive coordinator though, who doesn't know how to get anybody open or but do anything but the off pass season. the sideline. <laughs> it's it's been weird though, kind of watching the trajectory, and that's sort of again that's probably like the biggest concern for this team is that throughout the off season, we haven't really seen like a desire to change the offense. Like nobody's nobody's like Matt Canada's like yeah, I don't know if we want to really change much. Like like what? I don't know. I so it. They, they're going to need to unlock Every offseason, every fan base gets super optimistic that their team will get better and they'll make changes. And then typically, it's exactly how it was if there weren't changes, right? I guess so, it's better than Matt Canna's honest, at least. But. Yeah, I don't – we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see what happens there. But George Pickens is a great talent. So, yeah, 
I, I like that pick by you. I'm going with another second year wide receiver that I've talked about on this podcast. My second to last pick here is Jahan Dotson from the commanders. He is just a really good player. And I think people forget that he was the 16th overall pick in 2022. Now it's because he went a little bit higher than I think many assumed in that draft, but like he's a first round pick. The commanders took him for him to be heavily used in this offense. And they did that like right away. They were getting him involved in the offense. He was scoring touchdowns like nonstop. Then he got the hamstring injury and that kind of ruined most of his rookie season. I mean, like pretty much the entire middle of the season, he either missed or he was coming back slowly from that injury. It takes a while to heal your hamstring. And then once he got fully healthy, there was only five games left of the season, but he had 70 plus receiving yards in three of those five games. He led the team with 35 targets and four end zone targets during that span. And Anytime he was healthy on the field, he was producing. So I, I think he's going to be heavily utilized next year. And yes, Terry McLaurin is the wide receiver one on this team. But like I just said, during the last five weeks of the season, he did lead the team with 35 targets. Now McLaurin was right behind him with 34. So it's not like that crazy difference. But I do think they could be utilized in this 1A, 1B type situation. And Dotson has the speed to be targeted deep. And over those last five games, tiniest sample size ever. I know. I'm sorry. But he was on a 17-game pace for 1,170 receiving yards and 10 receiving touchdowns. And that's his rookie season. I just think we're completely ignoring the fact that he was a first-round pick. The team obviously took him for a reason and he could become the wide receiver one on his team. So that's why I think he is, he deserves to be on this list for best wide receiver two on the team, even though we don't really know yet. Right. Like there's still so much unknown for him. Speaking of unknown, I'm glad you, I'm, I'm going to leave you on that note. Okay. Cause I, I have unknowns. But I, All I right, just, get into your. I want to use I this, this as is, a. I, I think I know who you're going to pick here because I can see it, and <laughs> this is the worst pick of the draft. Even though I love this guy. Go ahead. Okay. Um, speaking, I just need. I needed to um, interrupt you so that I could segue on the unknowns part. Okay. So that I didn't I really can... have that much more to say, Jahan Dotson. But no, besides, but... he's the best value in drafts this year. Pick him. Ooh. Okay. Um, or you could pick my guy. Who's <laughs> I think going much later. Um, let's talk about Elijah Moore, wide receiver for the Cleveland Browns, um, who is literally probably the biggest wild card in fantasy football this year. Like, I am, I mean, let's just pretend like the last two seasons never happened. Like, that's that's my goal, right? Okay. Let's let's go back to the the draft, right? The, the 2021 NFL draft. Uh, 2021? Yeah. Uh, 2021 NFL draft where Elijah Moore, just a, a good old cool prospect out of Ole Miss and five, nine, one seventy eight. He's a little small tater tot, but what made him so special? It was his movement skill, his elite athleticism, his yards after the catch ability, his hands. Like we want to talk about an athlete. Like, yes. Uh, ranked sub 10th percentile in both height and weight. Um, not great, but ranks 90th percentile or better in his 40 yard dash three cone and shuttle run. Like his movement skills are just impeccable. His hands are incredible. There's just so much to like about Elijah Moore. And, and like, it didn't really matter where you asked him to play. Like he projects as a slot receiver, especially based on his size, but, uh, and, he was good at that in college fourth in, in slot yards in his final season, yet still ranked ninth in deep catches seventh in deep yards among FBS receivers. Like coming out of the draft, Elijah Moore was absolutely elite. Um, but I mean, let's think about the quarterbacks he's been playing with uh, Sam Darnold, um, Zach Wilson, Joe Flacco. Like there's a whole list of characters that he's had to play with. None of them were, were worse than Zach Wilson, though. Um, Average 12 fantasy points per game in games without Zach Wilson. Uh, just 5.5 PPR points per game in, when Zach Wilson was playing. Um, you, like, you hear 12 fantasy points per game. It's not a lot. But I pair that pre-draft analysis with the 
reports we're hearing about, you know, Elijah Moore and OTAs, he's becoming a frequent target. They're running an up-tempo offense. Like, I, he's with the Browns now. He's with the Browns now. So it's pretty important to know. Yeah, it, with huge Sean upgrade Watson. at quarterback, and I, possibly, potentially, we don't. I, yeah, we don't. We don't know if we get uh, the Deshaun Watson of twenty twenty two. Then maybe not such a great upgrade. But all things considered, like he's got an entire off season to get in sync with this team, and it seems like he's already syncing better than he ever did with the jets. So this is like a pure well, projection. I mean, like you have to remember his, uh, remember training camp of his rookie season, the hype for Elijah Moore. He was already the best player on the field before I mean, he even walked on. I mean, the way players and coaches were talking about him. It was like, he was going to be the next superstar. The way AJ Brown, like cried over how good Elijah Moore is. He literally cried when Elijah Moore was drafted. I don't understand what happened. Like, I don't know whether to put it on the player or the situation, but we've seen Garrett Wilson in this first year be just fine with those terrible quarterbacks. Maybe it's their different play style. I don't know. I do think if Deshaun Watson is able to get back to who he was with Houston, then Elijah Moore has to be – I do think Elijah Moore will be pretty good for fantasy, and I think he's probably a steal in drafts. It just comes down to do we see Deshaun Watson from last year or Deshaun Watson from before everything happened? Nobody knows, but based on my, my draft projection, based on the opportunity and situation right now, Elijah Moore found my way – found his way into the rankings. So Yeah, I mean, honestly, he's going – Right before Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers, Michael Thomas, Cortland Sutton, Alan Lazard, Jamison Williams, Sky Moore. Like, those are the next players. Those are all question marks as well. And I don't think any of them, besides maybe Michael Thomas, has as high of a ceiling as Elijah Moore for this upcoming season. Yeah. Now, Brandon Cooks is going one spot ahead of Elijah Moore, which I think Cooks well, is Well, that's why he went, he went, what, one spot ahead of Elijah Moore? Oh, never Two mind. Spots. Two spots. Yeah. Ooh, rough. Rough look in our draft all right yeah. all right last pick here and it was a hard one because you know it, it tends to fall off a little bit with these wide receiver twos that's why kate had to pick elijah moore <laughs> although i would have picked this guy over elijah moore and it's gabe davis of the bills yes i'm yeah. still okay i'm still on the gabe davis hype train it's not as hard as last year we kind of understand his ceiling now we know he's not going to be a great wide receiver in this league but guess what the bills still have not added another wide receiver he's still the wide receiver too on this team easily there's nobody else and there were you know there's talks about the bills being interested in deandre hopkins but they don't want to pay him so yeah that gets hard that (laughs) really gets hard unless hopkins decides you know i I would rather go for a championship maybe that's what happens but i feel like it's hard for him to do that though when you know stefan diggs is is there as well and he's making money like it gets a lot harder to humble yourself when you know that there's another wide receiver one on your team who is getting paid like deandre hopkins i don't think he's not going to take a a bills discount yeah i don't think so as well so gabe davis is a clear-cut wide receiver two and second target on this team because dalton kincaid can be great that's fine but he's a rookie tight not yet so i fully expect gabe davis to have the second most targets on this team and we're talking about a buffalo bills team with Josh Allen. And I, I feel like Diggs and Allen get all of this slack for the end of last season, right? But not Gabe Davis. So Gabe Davis was on pace for 1,156 receiving yards and 11 receiving touchdowns from weeks one through 10. So through half of a season, he was on pace for a really, really good wide receiver season, especially for a second wide receiver on his team. And then he fell off the face of the earth from weeks 11 through 18. Kind of just like Stephon Diggs did. Diggs was on pace for 1,861 receiving yards and 13 touchdowns from weeks 1 through 10. The same span that I just gave for Gabe Davis. And then from weeks 11 through 18 was on pace for just 1,078 receiving yards. Everybody died in this offense in the second half, mostly, especially even Josh Allen. And it's because of his elbow injury, right? And we don't talk enough about the elbow injury. Yeah. 
It, it, we really don't. So clearly the elbow injury hindered him and, and hindered the entire offense. And for some reason going into this season, everyone's like, well, yeah, Josh Allen's going to get back to normal. Stephon Diggs is going to get back to normal because they will. Like Duh. that's what we assume. But with Gabe Davis, we're like, no, there's no way. There's no way he's going to do it because he sucked last year. But it's like, well, he didn't suck in the first half of the season when everyone else was good. So if we expect Josh Allen to get back to normal, we expect Stephon Diggs to get back to normal. I don't think it's fair that we say Gabe Davis can't get back to what he was doing in the first half of last year, especially since they didn't add anyone. And one stat I want to point out, Gabe Davis has 24 red zone targets over the last two seasons. That's the fifth most in the NFL behind only DK Metcalf, Stephon Diggs, teammates, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, and Devontae Adams. So he's getting targeted a ton in the red zone by Josh freaking Allen, one of the best quarterbacks in the <laughs> league who throws a ton of touchdowns every single year. And he, before Josh Allen's injury and the whole team fell apart, he was performing just fine. Yeah, there was like up and down weeks, but that's every wide receiver in the NFL besides the elite of the elites. I don't, he's going wide receiver 41 right now. Again, after Jordan Addison, after Kadarius Tony, after George Pickens, why? I do. I think there's a lot to like about Gabe Davis, specifically when you compare his 2021 season to 2022. So like 2022, actually one of his most productive seasons, almost a thousand receiving yards, eight touchdowns was right on track in terms of yards per reception. But we did see a drop in efficiency yards after the catch per reception, yards per route run, passer rating when targeted, his contested catch percentage fell dramatically. If you have all of those kind of level out just a little bit, I think you're probably looking at 1,100 receiving yards for Gabe Davis pretty easily and 10 touchdowns. And I feel like that's a I don't, really I, yeah, I, nice ceiling for where you're drafting. I don't see any reason why he can't hit that this year. And it's going to be inconsistent. I mean, he's going to have up weeks where he gets a 50-yard touchdown and down weeks where he gets three targets for 35 yards or something. Like, that's going to happen. But when you're looking at this area of the draft, that's going to happen for all of these guys you're taking. Unless you just get – you hit on one of these young studs that end up being one of the best wide receivers in the league moving forward. Like That's just – that's what you're getting here. And that's okay to have those guys in your flex spot or in your wide receiver two spot where they have a ton of upside – but not as much safety, but they can win you a week. And I think that is Gabe Davis. He is that guy to win you a week. So I'm saying again, Gabe Davis, a fantastic value. Last year, his draft costs ended up getting like high and high and high because people are getting so hyped about him. <laughs> but now this year, no one no one wants him anymore. He's not, yep. he's not the sexy pick at all anymore. Post-hype sleeper. Yeah, post-hype sleeper. Draft some Gabe Davis. Yeah, I, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm sorry he hurt you last year, but you got to get back. Mm-hmm. Got to get back into it. Get back on the horse, y'all. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it. Get back on the buffalo. <laughs> that is it for today's episode. If you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter. You can find me, Michelle, at BallBlastEm. BallBlastEm. And you can find me, Kate, at Kate Monjuke. Bye, y'all. Bye. <laughs>